Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Let's Run.com's Track Talk. By the way, we're still looking for a new name. Please email us. And this week, we are going to break down the world's greatest foot race, the 2019 IWF World Cross Country Championships. But before we break down that race in great detail, folks, let's start with the performance of the weekend, the sacrifice of the weekend. They talk about athletes sacrificing money to represent their country at World Cross. Let's talk about my sacrifice, folks. I stay home in the United States while I send the boys to the States, but I stay home so that we can send the new America's favorite runner, Kelsey Bruce and Matt Crow to compete themselves. Guys, I'm waiting for your praise. Congratulations, Robert. My, oh, my hero. Yes. Congratulations. Congratulations. I am back stateside working hard as you. Meanwhile, Robert, Jonathan, I'm glad he could join us. He's still on his European sojourn. What country are you in now? Uh, I'm currently in one of, I would say, one of the world's greatest countries, uh, the United Kingdom, in uh, its capital of London. Having a grand old time. I'll be here for a couple of footy matches, as they say. Uh, Tomorrow, Chelsea versus Brighton in the Premier League. Saturday, Manchester City versus Brighton in the FA Cup semifinals. Uh, That's great, but I'm here to talk about running, so let's do that. A little bit under the weather, it sounds like. Maybe, you know, should be a little more focused on the work at hand and enjoying the scene in Aarhus next time. Guys, I, I think really being here in the States that, um, you know, we, we, we break down the races. We've, we've, we've done a great job on that. And I've just put up a fantastic week that was. I'm very proud of it. I think I have like six final thoughts about World Cross Country. Jonathan Galt hasn't read it, so I'm sort of going to quiz him and ask him questions. Wait, I have a question for you, Robert. Ha- are you going to make a point in which you don't pat yourself on the back in this podcast, or are you I just am, going to keep, you know, praising I yourself? Am, John's probably never watched the Rush Limbaugh, but I am the Rush Limbaugh of, of track talk. Like you have to praise yourself because it angers about one third of the audience, but then they'll watch it just to hate you. Why do you think the New York Yankees games get such high ratings? It's because 30, 40% of the audience. Because New York's the biggest city in the country. That might have something to do with it. Thank you, John. But guys, we're going to talk a lot about the action. We've already talked a lot about the action. We're going to talk some more, but I think really, honestly, a lot of people want to know, like, what's it like to be boots on the ground in Copenhagen? What was it like? Did the event as a whole live up to the hype? How did it compare to past years? What's going on behind the scenes at night? I mean, they had a beer sponsor, Mickler. So overall, uh, I know you guys both went to the last World Cross. Like, how would you compare this to previous World Cross, John? I, I mean... Kampala, I enjoyed Kampala. I had fun there. You know, I think they did a decent job, but this it met all of my expectations. My expectations were sky high. I mean, the course itself was better than I could have imagined. You know, it had the features, but then just how difficult it was, the venue itself, really challenging, but I think it was still running. You know, it's not like it wasn't a gimmick. It was a real race. It was real running. The best athletes ended up on top. So I, I don't think there's any question it was, you know, people can't just look at it and say it was a fluke or a gimmick or that sort of thing. So the course was excellent. The event was excellent. The fans, I think they, the organizers claimed there were 10,000 people there. I'm not sure exactly where they got that number from, but there were a lot of people out there. They're making noise. They're lining the course. I, I, and, you know, th- there was beer flowing. There was food available. There were Vikings. If you were by the Vikings section, I know maybe it didn't come across on TV, but those Vikings were loud. They were banging their weapons on their shields. And the races were just terrific. I mean, Joshua Cheptegei and Helen O'Berry 
We had a great finish in the junior women's race. I really think it was an A plus. They knocked it out of the park. Uh, we were talking, me and Weldon. You know, could they have done anything better? That was, I, I guess, that was our question. I, I think it's. I was struggling to come up with anything where I think they could have done better. I too would give it an A plus. I think that there's a few things they could do better. We'll talk about that in a minute. But every World Cross Country Championships, I believe, really is Let's Run Central. These are the people at these things, even if they're in, especially if it's in like Uganda, it's the lifeblood of Let's Run. I was shocked. But here in Europe, it was shocking. Like John and I were like many celebrities. People were recognizing us on the course. Matt Crow, who ran for us. I, had, I didn't know what Matt Crow had looked like. I had never met him. And I looked at a photo on the website about two minutes before he walked in the house. And he walks in the apartment and said, hey, a couple guys just recognized me. They said, hey, you're the Let's Run guy. He was doing some strides in a park in Aarhus. So... World Cross in general, sort of distance running nerd heaven. Everyone should try to go. But this one, they didn't put on just the World Cross Country Championships. They put on an event. Jacob Larson said he wanted to put it on an event, a spectacle that people were talking about. And this is the first World Cross Country I've ever heard people talk about beforehand. And some of that was because of the, of the course, but actually not. You know, he had the mud, the beer tent. They're talking about the beforehand. And then when you got there and you saw how damn hard this course was, people talked about it before before the race for once. And that's what our sport needs. I can't think of the last time outside of an Olympics or world track championships that people sort of anticipated something and for cross country to get any sort of buzz. This was tremendous. It was a great, great event. And I hope people like Jake, Jacob and can, he can work with others that our sport can do stuff like this because it was entertaining and exceeded my expectations. Just like John said. Yeah, and I think the one thing I was going to mention, actually, about what they could have done better, they they had the beer tent, and there were people in the beer tent. I watched some of the races from the beer tent. The people in the beer tent were making a noise, but we did talk to someone, and I'm, I apologize, I don't remember exactly who it was, but they mentioned that the beer tent, it wasn't totally full, and it was a good place to watch. It was sort of a, one of the few sort of flat sections on the course. It was right after they claimed, climbed the, the start, the hill on the first 400 meters of the loop. It was sort of at the head of that hill. And someone suggested, like, during the race, there should just be, you know, free beer. Everyone gets one free beer per person to get them actually in the tent making noise. Because as it was, the beer was directly outside the tent and you had to pay for it. I'm not against paying for beer. But if you said, like, you know, you get a free cup of beer just to get them in the beer tent making noise, I think that would have taken that atmosphere from good to great. Sort of crazy that, John, you said that because Robert said something about that on TV. Like, oh, the beer tent didn't look that full. Oh, I, yeah, I want to be sourpuss here. First of all, before I go negative, because Weldon says this, I think John, even my wife says this, like, you're always negative. I'm like, I'm not negative. Like, like just everyone thinks you're negative. And my runners at Cornell said the same thing. So maybe I'm negative. Like, look, one kid's like, coach, you never say congrats for running 10 miles. I'm like, every day. I'm like, yes, because you're supposed to do that. So I yell at you if you don't do it. So I, I want to have Jacob Larson. I'm going to fire Max Siegel and fire, hire Jacob Larson. He had a vision. He thought about this. It was great. But on TV, now admittedly, I'm trying to take screenshots and cover the meat, so I'm not really watching that intently. But I didn't think it looked as cool on TV as I thought it would. The beer tent was empty. Um, I never saw the Vikings. Now, I didn't watch the mixed race, so maybe they showed it, but didn't see anything about the Vikings. And I really thought going up the hill, like you didn't get a good view of that. Like it just looked like the rest of the course. I mean, going up the, the roof. And I thought that he said that he was going to have it like the tour de France where the, where the fans were like, there was going to be no barricades. I thought it was going to be like five feet wide. And they were going to be like this. Now the IWF may not let that because somebody might hit a runner or something, 
but I thought that was going to be even cooler and you could really tell they're going up there and it was kind of sort of sanitized I thought back that shows what a successful event this was because people are saying it was an outdoor beer tent they had these fire trucks outside of it a fire truck that served beer so it was great weather so everyone went up by the beer tent stood outside in the sun and watched the runners come by they didn't think to actually go in neath this like 50 yard tent and stand in there and there was definitely people in there but like all it would take next time is okay think of tv visuals people can go inside of the tent just encourage them to go inside of the tent i would have stood there Meanwhile, John and I were up there, and a Let's Run guy came up to us and said, I insist on buying you guys a beer. So we got a beer from him, stood outside, watched the runners run by, and then went down. So we were at the beer tent, but we actually never went in it because the beer was actually sold outside of the tent. So now as, as, as fans, how are you watching it? Like at NCAA Cross, I love to run across the course and see them several times per loop. Like how many times per loop are you seeing them? Are you trying to watch on a phone, or do they have TV screens, or – I basically stayed on on the hill mostly because on the museum roof. Uh, I went up for the earlier races. I did try to get them. I went in the beer tent to see Jacob Ingebrigtsen and the U twenty race. I saw them run through a couple times there. I tried to move around a little bit, but really, I wanted to know what was going on in the senior races, and I couldn't. From what I could tell, it didn't look like there were screens all over the course. And also, the loop is like it's not like an NCAA course where the loop's sort of crossing over itself. It's just five, 10, two K loops. So if you stand in the museum roof area, you get to see them go up and down the roof and you're close to the video screen. That to me, I, I basically just stayed there for the senior races and watched from there. I don't know about what you do. Well, yeah, pretty much that was the best place to watch. I tried to make a couple loops like during the junior race. I wanted to see the whole course. I walked the whole course then during Kelsey Bruce's race, I walked the whole course because I could see her in back parts where there aren't, weren't as many people. And if you got in the back part of the course, they had a, you know, like a fan zone for youth teams, that sort of stuff. They had a couple big screens back there. But, you know, there's unless you were there or the um, finish area by the big hill, that's where the screens were. And it's so hilly as well. It's kind of hard to, <laughs> to run around. So it's not like mm-hmm. cross. Kind of wanted to set up in one place and enjoy it. But tremendous a spectacle event, whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, yes, we could now, if our problem with world cross is, Oh, if we create a sort of man-made beer pretend, we need to make sure more people are in it. Like that's a good problem to have. Oh, up the hill, we should have people running alongside the runners. Like we've never had stuff like this. We've he the bar was raised so high on what we want. So I thought it was tremendous. Everybody. Thanks to Mikola. Mikola. If you ever see their beers, buy them. They're very good, but they were the sponsor of the race. And the founder, that's my only regret, John. I didn't meet the founder. But without his money, I assume this thing would have gone off. So, Mickler Beer, thank you. Yeah, sounds fantastic. I mean, I think one thing that we need to realize is that, yes, we can present the sport better, but it's not going to be just because it's presented better. I mean, it's like these introductions. You know, when remember at World Indoors in Portland when they started shooting off fireworks and it was viewed as revolutionary? hasn't like made the sport super popular like introductions done well or like what you expected an nba game it's what you expect at a sporting event we're like oh streaming will solve tracks problem you can stream ping pong you can shoot off fireworks anywhere you have to pre- create compelling sport competition and, and story our sport is wonderful and stories right and so i think jacob one thing they did is look these this is the world's greatest foot race the toughest foot race he created a story around the course and the runner's trying to conquer it, and it brought running back to its purest form. So that was a great story, and people actually kind of cared about World Cross Country again. 
Right. And can we say, though, that for the record, I was proven correct on the message board the night before the race. You know, people were like saying that this course, some people were like, the hope is that this course, I think even Tim Hutchings said this in the broadcast, that this course is an equalizer and it gives the Europeans a chance. And some guy on the message board is like, right here, you hear it here now. No East African is going to win this race. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not going to change who wins these races. This reminds me of a muddy NCAA cross. And what happens at a muddy NCAA cross, it just runs like a 12K. And the fittest team, even if you're, it sort of almost benefits the fit teams. So for the most part, the results weren't really any different than what you would have expected. I mean, there were a few like bizarrely poor performances, mainly it seems like by Americans, but for the most part, nothing was that different. Right. I mean, no, no I had, I had an agent was just watching. I was watching it with an agent for a bit. Of, he was just laughing at this. He's like, this didn't hurt the East Africans. If anything, it helped them, you know? And because if you looked, Jacob, uh, sorry, Joshua Cheptegei, after he won the race, he had a press conference uh, and he was saying how he had trained on the course a little bit. He got to preview it last fall. He didn't really, I don't know how many workouts he did on it, but he saw it once in person. So he knew what he was in for. And he's like, yeah, I've been training on hills like this in Uganda. And I'm like, really? Like hills like this? And I was talking to him and his coach, Adi Reuter, and he was like, yeah, like seriously, hills like that. Like they're in a very, they basically catch over where they train. It's in Eastern Uganda. I think it's sort of located on the, the side of a mountain or the, you know, they train uh, on hill, a lot of hills, holy courses. And he was saying he was doing two hill sessions per week for five weeks leading up to this meet. And if you check out Cheptegei's Instagram, he posted one odd, um, video of him running recently. And you look, it's just, it's not anything Americans would ever train on. You know, it was basically didn't look like a course. There wasn't a trail or any markings. They're basically just running up this grassy hillside and they makes a turn, some random marker. I couldn't even tell where, you know, what they were using for the course. And that's the sort of thing he used to in his preparations. Yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about since we're mentioning chapter guy is, you know, when I, when I thought about the race going in, I'm like, okay, who do I think is going to win? And my thought process was really, well, John, I think you had five potential winners, right? In the, um, in your article and they end up in five of the top six spots. Correct. So uh, I could have made a case for, for all of them. I like if, if I was thinking to myself, if Cam Moore loses, I'm not going to be shocked. And I thought to myself, if chapter guy wins, this is before the race. I'm like, if he wins, I'm just going to think maybe he's just better than Cam Moore. Like he almost beat him two years ago. Probably should have beaten him. Um, he almost, you know, like, and now He's done it. You know, I think I really think that the world of what uh, Caprudo for, for Kenya, but he's been hurt a little bit. Um, the other Ugandan had beaten Cheptegei a couple times this year. And then Borega's run, what, 1244. So it, it, you could make a case for, for all of them. But now that Cheptegei has won, here's the question I have for you guys. Is he the best in the world right now at 10,000 meters? If you lined everybody up in the, in the world right now, tomorrow, on track, 10,000 meters, does he win it? I say yes, but that's only because Mo Farah's in marathon training right now. Well, and that's I, why I said in part, Ryan, I'm up tomorrow. Mo Farah's getting older, so I hope Mo comes back. As a sports, we love comebacks in sport. Everybody loves comebacks. He'll come back. He'll run the. There's no way he's not running the 10K in Doha this summer. Okay, let's. You heard it here. Here he'll get beat. And Mo, we love you. Please join the podcast. Thank you. Uh, I think he'll get beat. And I mean, I. I Going on, on this last lap as well, Kip Limo could have won this race. He sort of started pushing the pace. It's sort of interesting. Cam Warrior and 
Chepta guy, you know, got dropped a little bit. So I think the 10,000 at Worlds will be pretty interesting this year. Well, and we, we need to remember, I mean, Cam, Chepta guy beat Camor at the 2017 Worlds. Smoked him, yeah. Chepta guy got, got the silver in 2017. Now 2015, Camor got the Worlds. I was wondering, was there any hang-up in Camor's training in 2017? He was only sixth. You know, I mean, Ch- Chepta guy was, was Mo Farrell was 26, 49, 51. Chepta guy was 26, 49, 94. So he's only, you know, less than, or well, 0.43 of a second behind. So he did, you know, that was a fast race. The thing that made me really amazed here was when his coach and Chepta guy both said, like, look, I was in better shape two years ago. You know, he had a car accident in December. They said that impacted his training, and now he's still the world champion. Um, You know, really um, only 22 years of age is a fantastic story. And then, you know, if you move to the women's race, I think we got the result that we wanted. When somebody – is the big of a star as Helena Berry shows up for World Cross. I want her to be rewarded. Um, I guess I'm a little bit disappointed. She says she's never coming back. You know, and one thing I have in, in, in one and done, as we said, one and done, W-O-N or W-N-E, doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, I, I put this in the week that was. The prize money in this event is 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 tiny. I mean, I think it's 140 Forty thousand dollars in individual prize money. Do you guys realize that last week at the Chongqing Marathon in China, I'm sure John was following on his Twitter feed, it was one hundred ninety-two thousand dollars in prize money. Um, this is individual prize money. Now there's obviously some team prize money as well. I think it's actually also one hundred forty thousand dollars. So I mean that that's like absolutely nothing. Manny Machado makes one hundred eighty-five thousand dollars per game, and he plays one hundred sixty-two of them per year. So I think that we, you know, if we're going to cancel events and stuff or whatever, like the prize money should be like a million dollars for this. And then you'd have all the distance winners showing up. They'd be really compelling. Where's that money going to come from, Robert? I don't know. Benefactors. Chris Lukasik. It's sort of interesting because I heard that it cost you know, $3 million to put on a World Cross Country Championships. That was the sort of figure I heard unofficially from a couple people, um, not Danish people. But so what? Like, well, Jake, Jacob told me it was two point five million was the budget for the meet. Okay, good. So my bullshit sources were telling me numbers that were just about right, and it's sort of interesting because you know very little of that's actual prize money, but there's a lot of other stuff going on for production, that sort of stuff, and the IWF wants guarantees. So you know, if we had more prize money, you're still the fa- the course is going to favor ten k runners, Robert. Like, who's missing there that you'd want to see there? I, mean, I guess we're missing a lot of the, some of the top women, but in terms of top men's 10K runners. Yeah, Paul Tanui didn't make the team. You're right. He, uh, he's medaled in four straight. And, and look and look at Jacob Ingebrigts in the junior race. I mean, there's a reason why – first of all, I, I don't want to criticize like the U.S. too much because then people won't show up. You know, if, you know, a lot of people don't want to show up and run and get 80th place. But, you know, if you're not you're – right. If you're, one thing I was thinking is you could draw the distance out of a hat. Like you could be anywhere between like 6K and 12K. And then right before the start, you pick it out of a hat and you figure out how many loops you're going to do. Because that way someone like Jacob Inkenbricks, it might have a chance if it was 6K. But 10K, that's a lot for a 1,500-meter guy. I really think the course didn't benefit him. I think he's such a hilly course. I wish it wasn't quite that hilly. I mean, I would have hated running on that course. Um, but anyways, that's sort of my, my thoughts there. Um, John, I have some trivia questions for you. I'll do my best. Who was the fifth place team 
in the men's senior race. Well, I saw the headline. I also, I think I might have been able to remember this, but it was Burundi. Another East African country. Well, you realize one of their guys ran a marathon the week before the race. Another one's running a marathon this weekend. I mean, Folks, bow, bow down, bow down. I was hoping to maybe embarrass Jonathan Galt, either that or put him up on a pedestal, one or the other. I'm putting him on the pedestal. How did he know that? I was so proud of myself. This guy needs a freaking medal. How did you know that? Yeah. So Brundies, they have 10 million people. But after three runners, they're only like like uh, six points behind Ethiopia because they went 9, 11, 14. So they're in the hunt for the bronze, but they're fourth runner. Now they only ran 44 four runners, was 57th place. Olivier Irabarutu, and he's pretty good. He's run 13, 17, 27, 55. He's actually their national record holder at 209, 48, folks. So you always wonder, like, why can't all these Americans who run 27, 30 break 210 by a lot? It's not that easy. This guy's a 27 minute guy. He's only 209, 48. But, um, you know, he ran 210.33 at the Wuxi Marathon in China the week before. So they needed a team score, and he showed up. And that's what we call patriotism, folks. Now, I did put this in the week that was. Is I'm not sure if he was healthy. If he would have, I mean, if he had more rest, he would have been a lot better because he was only 54th in 2017 and 63rd in 2015. So he finished right between like his two last two world crosses. He just sounds like he's a constant. He's a metronome. No matter what he does, he could have run a marathon the day before and he would have finished in 60th place at world cross. But those guys got like two grand each and team prize money. Like, I wonder what the Burundi GDP is. Like, is that a lot for them? Think about it. Like all the money they're spending on flights and hotels to get there. And then, I mean, they're not spending it. I think the meat pays for it. Yeah. That's what I was told was, um, for some of the smaller federations, the IAF will actually subsidize some of that travel. Whereas the bigger European federations where maybe Germany and Poland, and it was not even that far for them to come. So it's kind of embarrassing, but they would have to pay their own way. I think the headline should have been seven final thoughts on world cross instead of these random things in the week that was, I said six earlier, but we had two number sixes. So I've corrected that as we've been doing the podcast. Now, John, uh, you're missing my editing skills, Robert, you know, okay, John, a little other thing I noticed is what has happened to the Kenyan men at World Cross? I mean, they used to win this thing every single year. They, um, between 1986 and 2011, they won 22 of 24 senior men's team titles. From 1986 to 2003, they won every single senior men's team title, 18 in a row. And then ever since the meet's gone to every other year, they've never won one. Now, since 2011, that sounds like a lot, but they've only actually lost, I think, four, 11, 13, I mean, 13, 15, 17, and 19. Any theories on that? Well, I got a, got a couple. One, like, it, all right, who's the best Kenyan runner? Elliot Kipchoge. He's not even running well across. Like, he's in the marathon. There's other guys, and there's not other Kipchoges, but you've got, like, other people who are, like, 203 or 204 guys who are running the marathon. And I guess my other suggestion would be, I don't know how if Ethiopia was on Kenya's level in like the 90s. And now I know like they barely beat them in Kampala. And I think it was pretty close in Giang too. Ethiopia might have just stepped it up a little bit. But those are my two sort of working theories. There's more Kenyan runners. There's like way more sub-210 guys in Kenya than there is Ethiopia. So I don't know. I mean, but you, you fell in, John, you fell into my trap. This is an interesting stat. Kenya, between 1986 and 2011, won every single senior men's world cross country titles, except for the two where Elliot Kipchoge ran world cross and led Kenya. 
He was the number one man for Canada. Did you know that, John? I did know he used to run well across. I think in 2005, he gave Bekele a good run for his money in um, in Switzerland, I think, that year. But um, he, I also think if he – but you're telling me if Elliot Kipchoge, 2019 Elliot Kipchoge, decided that he wanted to be the best in the world at world cross and he trained for it, that he wouldn't have finished in the top 10 or helped the Kenyan team on Saturday? Come on. Well, he might finish in the top 10, but he was finishing he, – he was – let's see here – 2000, I'm going to give you, he ran World Cross four years, 2002, three, four, and five. 2002, he was fifth in the junior race. Gabriel Gabriel-Marian won it. Gabriel-Marian ended up winning the senior title as well, so not no no not a bad loss. 2003, he was a world junior champion. 2004, this is, now remember, he won Worlds in the track in 5000, 2003. So 2004, it was his first senior race. He was Kenya's number one man. This is the first time in 18 years Kenya did not win the title, but they had a good reason to lose. Ethiopia went one, two, three behind Bakile, Gebra Marion, and Sahini. I mean, that's a pretty sick top three. You have the world's greatest cross country winner ever. You have another guy who won a world cross, and then Sahini, who got like five global silvers in the track. Um, but they destroyed Kipchoge. I think Kipchoge was 42 seconds back from Bakile. And then in 2005, yet again, was the number one man. He was fifth, three seconds away from the bronze and 31 seconds away from the gold. So he did run it in the past. Yeah, he could, he could probably. I, who I want to come back is Bakile. I think it would help him. But, you know, as you get older. You want him to get, come back and get smoked? How is that going to help him? Just, well, he maybe he wouldn't be motivated because he knows he couldn't win it. But Return to your roots. Return to your roots, John. Return to your roots. I mean, he's going to come back. I don't think he would want to come back and get embarrassed. And I just think he's not the same guy that he was 10 years ago. Agreed. I think we've done a good job of ignoring how poorly the. Americans did at this thing. Oh my God. They were so, they were just, I couldn't have imagined a worst outcome. The men were 11th, 11th place. I don't understand that. They sent like, if you were saying who, who want, who is our best American team? I mean, this wasn't our total best, but like, this was close to it. You know, Shadrach Kipchichia, Lennon Korea, Stanley Kibene, Hillary Bohr, these guys are all studs. And they just got totally, they got embarrassed. Yeah, and they were never up there. Whereas two years ago, they talked a big game beforehand, and they at least went out with the leaders. And I'm like, okay, they're just not at this level yet. Maybe they got a little in over their head. This time they hung back and never moved up. They went the other direction. It was just sort of shocking. And maybe, I don't know, you can say, oh, maybe like they all trained together. You know, most of these guys are Scott Simmons guys. And, it's obviously a tremendous training group, and you're like, well, maybe they're not. They don't know how to train on a hilly course, but the course two years ago was flat, and they did better two years ago. But I think the course affected them more than others. But I don't know. I was just shocked at how poorly they did because who was worse, them or the Bowerman women? And the U.S. women weren't much better either. But the U.S. women coming in, like we didn't, weren't much. They better. were eighth, but. Well, the, the women's the team were better, but the Bowman women really dragged that team down. We're going four, five, six. Didn't didn't Simmons guys talk about winning gold? I, w- I wanted to put that as the quote of the week that wasn't quote of the day, but I couldn't find it. So, John, that's on you. Here's my other stat of the week did not did not make the week that was. So, Courtney Ferrix, she by the way, the top three uh, non-African born women in World Cross all had a steeple background, which kind of made sense to me. Like people who are, who are used to getting the rhythm broken and the running, I think they might benefit in a hilly course, but Obviously, that did not work for Courtney Farrex. She's 16 seconds behind world record holder Beatrice Chipkowicz in the 3000 steeplechase. 
Now, this race is over three times as far. So, you know, you could multiply by three. It's 48. I can see her losing by a minute to her. But she lost to Chip Kowicz by three minutes and 47 seconds. So she finished 75th place, where Chip Kowicz was in the top 10. But one little thing we have not noticed. And, again, for the most part, the results weren't that shocking, except for, honestly, the U.S. people doing so badly. And But there were a few crazy results. John, do you know who was in 22nd place in the women's race? I mean, I, I haven't memorized the finishing order, Robert. I'm sorry. Okay, here's the thing. They have a tie to the town that you live in, Boston. They ran collegiately in Boston. Ran collegiately in Boston. Oh, leave Westfall of France. Yes. She was 22nd. It's amazing. Her, her 5,000 PR is 1531. I mean, that's... You know, would make the Olympics in the U.S., but it's decent. I mean, she her career best in NCAA cross was 17th in 2013. In 2014, she was 30th. For some reason, she didn't run in 2015, even though she, I think she ran track all the way through 2016 at, at BC. So Yeah, that was one of my takeaways, were these people who were just getting, they were hardly stars in the NCAA who were finishing well. The woman behind her, Robert, did you do research on her? Elena Burkhardt of Germany? She ran at the University of San Francisco. I think her best NCAA finish was like 60th or something. And she gets 23rd at World Cross. She's way ahead of any American. Well, maybe it's, it's, I think maybe the Americans may have struggled with the non-manicured golf course course. more. Than, I, I think um, they did. I don't understand why the Canadian-born Americans would, would struggle with that. Okay, I'm looking at this Canadian woman, Genevieve Lalonde. Wasn't she like 20th? She was 20th place. This claims her PRs are 1650. She's a steeplechaser, though. She's like the national record holder in the steeple, right? Yeah, but at 929.99. Yeah, I mean, 929 steeple, she gets 20th place. Just think what the U.S. woman could have and should have done. It's just crazy. Well, it's it, but it's not that easy. You can't just compare the track times. I mean, to be honest, look at uh, uh, the top non-African was Ireland's Fiona McCormick. Fiona, I don't know how to say It's not Fiona. It's Fiona Yulala. That was not the top non-African. That was... It was Anna Amelie Mola oh, yeah, uh, Denmark. from Denmark. Yes, and I even wrote that. But check her PRs out. They're not good. And But this Irish woman gets 18. Now, she's seriously, she's been, she used to be a steepler. She made the steeples in Olympics in 2008, and then 12 and 16, she ran the 5 and the 10, I think. She's run the marathon. But she's a 231 marathoner. Like, let's run Kelsey Bruce. She finishes 18th. Kelsey Bruce finishes 85th. Or so it would have been 82nd, I think. I mean, she was a minute. We're, we're, we're ragging on Fryericks. Our beloved Kelsey was a minute behind her, basically, right? So Yeah, but no one expected Kelsey well, to I know, beat Courtney. I know, marathoner, so it's not easy. There's, like, legitimate people finishing way back. Can we also give credit to Fionnuala McCormick? She gave birth six months ago, and then she gets 18th at World Cross Country, and she's training for Boston, and she's running Boston in two weeks. I mean... That's phenomenal. She is amazing. I'm, I'm rooting for her now to win it. Hopefully it snows. And she, well, there's not a lot of snow in Ireland, right? Maybe we went like actually rain like last year. It might help her. But um, yeah, it, it, it's unreal. It, one thing, the guys do have it harder. I mean, let's be honest. Like th- there's not these random East African countries. Like there aren't enough women competing in like Burundi and Tanzania, Uganda, What's the other one? Rwanda. Uganda, like the Uganda women smoked the American women, Robert. Okay, so they did, but I don't think there was even a Rwanda team. So, um, 
Tanzania did enter a team, by the way, in the women's race. They got 11th. They beat, oh, no. So, by the way, in the week that was, we have an email, uh, excuse me, a message board post from Craig Virgin, and two-time World Cross Country champion, but yet people will still say the elites don't read the boards, even though a ton of elites were applying to get a free trip to Worlds, so they must read the boards. Anyways, he was talking about the history of World Cross. This is really cool. The NCAA champion used to get an automatic bid to World Cross for the U.S. team. I think we should reinstitute that. It'd be a perfect time. Instead of running Stanford, you get to run World Cross, and you're automatically put into the NCAA finals in Eugene. Well, the only problem is that no American has won has won NCAA cross since 2008, Robert. John, you fell from my trap yet again. Although I wasn't even planning on doing this. Okay, here's my theory. You could just take the top American and send the NCAA cross. And these Europeans... It's not a trap. You went out and said the NCAA champion should qualify for the U.S. team. It's not a trap. You just intentionally misled me. So earlier, earlier, you know, we talked about one of the themes was in our previews was how all these European teams like Turkey will hire all these Kenyan African born runners, have them run on their team and win European cross. And then they won't even show up for world cross because they know they get smoked. But I thought of the perfect solution. Why don't you just have world European cross be in the middle of world cross? Just say, Oh, the top finisher is the European champion. I mean, why do you never separate? No, that's lame. I thought about that. that. They won't do that. There's no way. But also, these European countries should be embarrassed. It shows they don't know what competition's about. They like to show up at a lesser competition and pretend they're doing well. I know. So why don't you just do that in the thing and say, yeah, you're the European champion. Congratulations. You finished 67. We're trying to mm-hmm. reward competition. And a part of competition means showing up and taking on the best and getting beat. And so SEBCO and the little IWF cross-country committee, they need to start penalizing countries that have the resources and don't send people to World Cross. And I think some stuff like this may be in the cards. The next World Championships is in Bathurst, Australia. So essentially the middle of nowhere. People from Australia were telling me this is the middle of nowhere. I'm like, is it a city? And they're like, no, not really. The Australians, though, they know how to put on an event. I'm sure they'll get a lot of local people out there no matter what. And look, teams can fly there. They can do it. Let's run.com. You know, people want to go to Australia. I'm going for the first time ever. As I already said, I will be there. Uh, we don't know about this. Weldon's recently married. If he's a new father, I don't think he'll be making that trip down to Australia. I guarantee I'm there. I've already stated this. Unless my wife is over seven months pregnant or the baby's under six months of old age, I will be there. All right. And you know who else is going to be there? The U.S. men and women are going to be there because U.S. always sends full teams. And we're just saying about the Europeans, they don't like showing up because they're worried they're going to get their ass kicked. I will give credit to the Americans. They showed up. Most of them got their asses kicked, but they're going to come out on track with a vengeance. They, you know, they're going to remember this. They're going to come to the next World Cross. I mean, I give them credit for showing up. They took a risk. Some of them got absolutely destroyed, but it's not, you know, they're going to bounce back. It's one race. I know it's a world championship and it didn't go well, but like, you know, they can handle it. They're professional athletes. They can handle having a bad race and coming back to race. And the European Federation should take uh, notice from that. Totally agreed. It's not about winning. It's about competing and doing your best. And with that same testament, I kind of wanted to do like, hey, like, let's quickly go. Like, athlete who impressed you, one who didn't. Athlete who impressed me, Jacob Ingebrigtsen, showing up and getting beat. But he, there's no reason for him to go do cross country in just today's age. There's just no. He doesn't have to go to that. He's a European 1500 and 5000 meter senior champion. Yet he goes to World Cross Country to take on the junior race. Why? 
because it's cool, because it's a challenge. And the legend of Jacob Ingebrigtsen grew this weekend, even though he got his ass kicked. So it was great. And then afterwards, I mean, he was in tough shape, John. He essentially didn't pass out, but fell to the ground and then. I was worried. Yeah, I saw him in the mix zone on the ground, and he, you know, he had a handler supporting him through, and then the handler sort of left him for a minute, and then he went lie went to immediately sat on the ground, then went to lie down on the ground, and then I was like looking at him, and I'm like, he does not look good at all. Like someone needs to get like medical attention over him, and I was I was like looking around. Does anyone else see that? Like the Ethiopians who had just smoked him were giving interviews right in front of him, and I was like worried for the guy and then a medical person came over gave him some water he got up sort of stumbled through but he pushed himself to the limit so you know you can't just say he went out there and sandbagged like, i know he did hang off the lead pack a little bit but he ran as you know he ran as hard as he could yes go back to an old college term we used to have when we sucked we'd always have the beast of the week my team was the eel weren't very good and we're like who's the beast of the week so jacob ingerbritson my beast of the week and can I give some credit, you know, when we're giving credit to people, Stephanie Bruce going out there. I mean, I kind of mentioned on the women's team, you know, she beat some, she was close to some of these Americans, Carissa Schweizer and, um, you know, Courtney Frerichs at the trials. And I'm like, you know, they should be beating her. She's, she's 35. She's running marathons. These women are more, you know, closer to the 10K in their events. And she went out there. She went out slowly, but she gained 42 places from she was 75th at 2k and she wound up 33rd top american finisher um she ran marathons in new york and then she pr'd in the marathon at cim in december she ran an indoor track race her first indoor track race ever in january at boston indoor at the new balance indoor grand prix she pr'd in that race and now she went ran well cross and was the top american um tough runner i gotta give her a lot of credit for going out there and uh running hard on that on that course Okay, then I guess it's my turn for the beast of the week. By the way, how can these older, like mid thirties women just race like every weekend? It's amazing to me. My beast of the week has got to be Emily Sisson, 30, 49, 57 at the Stanford 10,000 meters. Very impressive. I, you know, I, I remember it was Boston. It might have been like 20, we'd have to look it up, 2015, 2014. Um, when Ray Tracy told me like, look, she's made for the marathon. She's fantastic. This is, you know, when she was still in college. And then I remember watching the 2016 trials and Sisson got smoked. She wasn't even a factor. And I'm like, how is this girl going to be the future of us distance running? If she can't even make come close to making the team in the 10,000 meters. So I don't know what was going on then, but she's excelled at the New York city half for a couple of years. And then finally ran a fast one this year in Houston and, 30-49, I mean, she's number three all-time in America, number 63 in world history. So very excited now to see what she can do in London in her, that's her debut, right? Marathon debut. Yeah, and I guess my my lead off of that, I mean, she smoked Molly Huddle in this race. She put about nine seconds on her in the last two laps. And Huddle, I mean, Huddle 30-57 in marathon prep is, is nothing to be ashamed of. That's a good run. But, you know, it, it makes me think, Sisson ran 67.30 in Houston, which is only five seconds off Molly Huddle's American record from last year in the half marathon. And Huddle, if you look at her marathon results, I mean, they're not bad. She was third in New York in 2016. Granted, that was a fairly watered down field because of the Olympics that year. She ran 228.13, which is really, it's nothing special in that New York course, but it also wasn't, you know, super fast race. She didn't really have that many people to run with. 
Then 13th in Boston last year in the weather, you know, she ran 250, but I, I just throw that out, result out, really. And then she was fourth in New York last year against a better field, ran 226. And that was, you know, she could have gone faster because, again, that was a slow first half and they really um, slammed it down the second half. But, you know, it's, it's good, but it's not, like, outstanding. I guess my question to you two would be, who finishes higher in London, Molly Huddle or Emily Sisson? I don't think we. It would be a mistake to say just because she's seven seconds, fa- eight seconds faster over ten thousand, she automatically wins the marathon. Of course, of course. I mean, it doesn't really matter. But I don't know. It concerns me that like Molly didn't do a half marathon right in this build up. Yeah, she did U.S. Cross instead. She got second out, out kicked by Shelby Hullahan. She got second. Yeah. Although I guess I'd be impressed by that if all the U.S. women had bombed. <laughs> Um. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one, John. This will really show you if you, how if you're a genius or if you've cheated and read my article. Guess what Emily Sisson's career artic, career record against Molly Huddle was before. Oh well, I saw the homepage. You tease all this stuff. It's like zero and twenty, right? Yes, she had never been there, so it could be changing of the guard. I mean, it could be a changing of the guard. So right now, folks, let me know. Email me at robert at letsrun dot com. Robert at letsrun dot com. Or call us a call, folks. Walden doesn't – actually, I did the intro today. I apologize. I always want to say this. Unlike Facebook, unlike Twitter, you can actually call us, 844-LET'S-RUN. I think if you hit extension 3, it goes directly to my cell phone. So, Yeah, all right. We need to plug a sponsor. The podcast is sponsored by Health IQ. Men, women out there, do you guys have health insurance? Excuse me, life insurance? You should. Are you overpaying for your life insurance? You shouldn't. And Health IQ, they give runners, people who run, better life insurance rates. Eric, our web guy, he just saw the ad on Let's Run. I never told him to do anything. He clicked on it. He already had an existing life insurance policy. And he said, oh, this is going to be a pain in the ass. I don't want to do anything. He like essentially gave him some Strava logs to show he ran. They come out and do the blood test that a lot of you know, life insurance policies do. And he's going to save over $19,000 over 30 years. It's like same same type policy. It's crazy. So if you have life insurance or thinking life insurance, Health IQ, go to letsrun.com slash health IQ for more details. Walden handles the business. He doesn't even know this. So I actually heard about that, Eric, the web guy. So as a father of a new child, I'm like, I probably should have some life insurance. So I called up Health IQ like two weeks ago. It's very cool. They actually shop you around. So like, there's like, he told me like, I'm like, how can this guy save like 19 grand or something? He's like, oh, if you call up like your local person, like State Farm or something, they'll just screw you over big time. So they, they shop around for you, but they actually like, you have to prove you're a runner. I know, but say Robert, you're in trouble, man. Well, I haven't run a race. Like if you run a race in the last 18 months, I'm like, uh, no. And then they wanted to, um, so you can, sh- you can prove it by running a race. I guess you could do a Strava. Like, I didn't know that, but they have a quiz you can do. The quiz was pretty complex. Like I was afraid I would fail it as a former Cornell division one coach, but it was pretty complicated. I was pretty excited. I got like the first, I forgot how many questions are. There's like 20 maybe. And I, I like rolled through the first 17. There's, you have like 10 seconds to answer to There's a clock. So you can't Google it. I thought I, I thought, I think my web skills are good enough though, that I could Google and cheat, but maybe not. But it said something like developed by Andy Powell. Or something. It's like in conjunction with Andy Powell, Oregon coach. They had a picture of Andy on there. <laughs> or I don't know. If, I think he was still in his Oregon uniform, actually. So um, they're kind of like 
they really want to see that you understand running. Um, Wait, so, you can understand running without being a runner. Well, that's a good point, John. I don't know how they came up with that, but look, I had to. I postponed. Hopefully, Health IQ isn't listening to this. So I, I postponed my like blood test because I don't know. I looked at my regular physical. I'm like, I just got to my regular doctor. I got to the doctor the first time in like six years, and then like my my like blood pressure or something or cholesterol was. I don't know. It wasn't like where it wasn't like high. She didn't say anything. She said, "Oh, it's fine." But I looked at the range. It was near like near the top. And I'm like, oh shit, they're gonna ding me for my health insurance. So I, I postponed it for two weeks, and I'm trying not to eat salt. Was that gonna help, John? Do you know? Or yeah, I mean, cutting down on sodium. I don't know how much it's gonna affect in and two it's weeks. Good not to drink beer like 40 hours before the race. Before probably the good, run. even though you're working on your second beer of the podcast. So you know, oh, I shouldn't have told them that, should I? So we'll see how I do. By the way, can I tell people how to cheat the test? Don't ever say you have a cigarette. Like at a wedding, never say you had a cigarette. Don't say it. Just make them prove it. I mean, if you're a smoker, you need to admit it. But I don't know. I think Eric told me, our web guy, he said, they asked me if I had, if I was a smoker. And I said, no. They asked me if you ever had a cigarette. Shh. I shouldn't have, but I have. So I've never had a cigarette. John only smokes the blunts. All right. That was a nice plug for Health IQ. Robert, thank you. They appreciate it. Do we? All right. Who's your biggest loser from World Cross Country? No, wait. I want people to call me or email me because should we turn this podcast instead of like a real intellectual? This is kind of like a discussion we just have. This is, we we when we started this, we're like let's just do the conversation we have in our weekly conference call and put it on the podcast. But should I turn this into like one of these choreographed, produced, like PTI, you know, round the horn type shows? Who's your biggest loser? Over under Emily Sisson two twenty one. 31. 221? Over. Are you, are you? She's the 63rd fastest woman in 10,000 meter history. The 63rd fastest marathoner is 221.31. She's going to be I, go, I just said it. Um, I would go over, John, because more women run the marathon fast than th- people don't bother with 10,000 anymore. So the 63rd fastest woman probably should be close to like 30 flat. But And the U.S. debut record's 223 flat. Okay, over under 223 flat. Who has that record? Jordan Essay, 2017, Boston Marathon. I I mean, she ran faster than Hesse did in her half before Boston. I'm going under 223. I would say under as well. I mean, assuming there are two things, assuming the weather is okay, and then assuming she has people to run with. And she has huddles, so I think she'll be fine on that. But what happens in London is there's usually a, one or two lead packs go out insanely fast. And then everyone else is hanging on for dear life. Or you just, you know, if she paces that smartly or she has a group to run with, I think with Huddle, like I said, she'll be fine. I think she could break 223. They need male pacers at 223. Do they have women's only start now? They've had that for several years. Okay, John. This is not, I don't think, teased on the homepage. What is the 5,000 meter PR of Nokesa Mingesa, the world junior 5,000 meter champion? Uh, it's like fourteen oh one or something. I mean, he might not have one listed. Like, you, did, you know. did, did very good. Did he win the trials over there? Like, was he was he the favorite for them? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know. Thirteen fifty six point five. Jacob Andrew Brinson has run thirteen seventeen. But wait, right, where did he run thirteen fifty six point five? Was probably at altitude in Ethiopia, right? Nothing, folks. Uh, if this is. Runner's World, I hope you're not listening to this podcast trying to hire John away from us. By the way, did you guys hear that Runner's World went to a paywall? 
We're the only free thing left on the internet, folks. Wait, what do you mean? Like all of their articles are behind a paywall now? I don't know. I saw a paywall. I wasn't really paying attention. Weldon saw it. I mean, Flowtrack, pretty much to read almost anything on their site, you need, it now has a paywall, which is kind of crazy to me. But and They couldn't even send someone to World Cross? I mean, come on, guys. What are you guys doing with that money? Look, the reason why look, the reason why Flowtrack's not sitting on the World Cross is the same reason why the LA Marathon's not good anymore. When you're owned by venture capital, the goal, the sole goal is to make as much money as possible. If I owned the LA Marathon, I was trying to make money, of course I wouldn't have fucking elites, any elites of note. Like I'd probably just abolish all prize money, keep that in my back pocket. That's why I was quoted in the LA Times calling it a minor league race. So, John, you asked where he ran it. He ran that in Asela, Ethiopia, which is at 2,430 meters or 7,972 feet. So I got out the NCA calculator converter, which converts the altitude. And I think you can just I, – I, I picked some random U.S. city – because you have to pick a city before you can do it. And it gives you their altitude, and I just overrid it. So I think it still works that way, because I tried like changing it and see if it worked, like, if it went slower and higher. Yeah. Anyways, guess what a 1356.5 converts to an NCA calculator? It's seven, almost 8,000 feet. Well, Tyler, I mean, Tyler Day ran 14, I think he ran like 1401 at Flagstaff, which is like 7,500 feet. So I would say it converts to about 1320. Wow. 1309. 1309. All right. Yeah, I think that's very generous for someone who's actually born in altitude. But So you're saying you don't think that the world junior champion in cross country could run 1309? No, I do think he can. I think he can. And I think it's, I mean, I, I, the reason why I put that in the week that was is to show you, like, he's a 5,000 meter runner. He's converted PRs better than, than Ingebrigtsen. He should have beat Ingebrigtsen. What did Ingebrigtsen, did Ingebrigtsen run? He didn't run the 5,000 world juniors, right? Just the 15? No, he ran both. He medaled in both. He medaled in 5,002. Huh? I mean, he runs everything. It's, it's, it's awesome. Turn this into a Corey Gaff, like, hot take show. Just quick. No, please. We, no, please, it's no, good to have winners take. and losers, that sort of stuff. You, you can have the, an intelligent discussion. You can have winners and losers and still have an intelligent discussion. I don't want to go out here, like, become a Skip Bayless throwing LeBron James under the bus. Good job, Johnny. Mention LeBron, a keyword. Now when our podcast is searchable by bots, they'll pick up LeBron James and basketball fans will be listening. Yeah. LeBron James, Johnny Manziel, Los Oh my Angeles God. Lakers. Let's discuss it. A moment of silence, please. One moment of silence for Johnny Manziel and the AAF. Do not mess up my moment of silence. God damn it. Someone was typing. John typing. Well, people are going to think he's dead, folks. Johnny Manziel is not dead. By the way, we were blamed uh, the same week that Johnny Manziel's marriage, the, the, the divorce has been announced. That's what I was going to mention. That was what I was typing to confirm. People are, bra- are blaming Let's Run's message board threat for causing a divorce. His wife cheated in a local half marathon and I exposed her as a cheat. And now they're getting divorced. And now his, his football league is going bankrupt. I will pay... $1,000 if someone can tell me the real scoop of why Johnny Manziel left the Canadian football. What? Exclusive. I have to break it, though. Like, you can't tell me after Yahoo breaks it or somebody breaks it. Robert, this is this is like, this is gutter journalism. Paying for scoops? I mean, come on, man. What do you mean? You can't just say, I'll pay someone money to, like, give me this scoop. That's what, like, the and rags... The do. rags that get stuff out there, John. Would we know about Jeff Bezos' affair if money hadn't changed hands? What, do we need to? Do I care? John, this I'm going to a thread is, about this. The shareholders might want to know what he's doing. Having a midlife crisis. No, I, 
I asked Walden is I asked Walden. Does Amazon, Does Amazon have shareholders? I didn't know if they were public. I didn't know if they're oh private gosh. or publicly I think traded. At one point, the biggest country. I, I asked Walden this recently. This is a serious question. I asked Walden. At first, I heard Jeff Bezos was blaming his girlfriend's brother for the leaks of his penis dick pics. And now I'm reading that the Saudi Arabians hacked his phone. So which is it? Or did both happen? I'm very confused. It's a ridiculous discussion. And this, I was going to start a thread, but then this is the type of thread I'm like, do I want my name behind it or did I put a fake name? So I don't know. Good, good question. Another good keyword. This is good. I'll put these in the title. Bezos, Manziel, and World Cross. Oh, Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. That's good. I mean, we have not talked Trump. about someone we have to talk about in every podcast. Oh, yeah. We, we, what is our Salazar connection to this week's podcast? Oh, my gosh. We almost had to shut this thing down. I'm trying to think of a way to bash him. <laughs> like, Robert always him, wants to make it. Now. We didn't even put him in April Fool's. There was a good message board. You don't show up at World Cross, you're nothing. Basically saying that like everything Alberto did wrong as an athlete, he does right as a coach. Like he overraced and pushed himself to the limit and like fried his thyroid. And that's why his career was so short. But now his athletes are on thyroid meds, so they do well. And but the guy's like he's a fantastic coach, but he's still an asshole. So that was the thread, but I can't I don't remember what they were talking about. Um I don't have any really thing to sing about Alberta. Um, I wouldn't call him an asshole. That? I would just say he doesn't like talking about doping. Oh, I, I didn't call him an asshole. No, Robert was saying the message. I'm just getting it out there officially. Asshole, correct. I'm just getting out there officially. What? Alberta's not an asshole. Actually, one time when, when I used to try to talk to him, when Galen Rupp went, went indoors, whatever year that was, and Alberto kind of went off on me, he was actually somewhat reasonable. We had a similar incident with Vin Lanana at the same meet, and Vin was much harder to talk to. And now I have no problem talking to Vin, and Alberto's sort of the one guy in the sport I it's just makes me very uncomfortable to be around. But looking back 10 years, you know, sort of interesting how I viewed it. But let's let's say, oh, here's the one thing we can actually say about Alberto or the, the NOP. Sifan Hassan pulled out of World Cross instead is trying to break the world record in the half marathon this weekend in Berlin. Okay, can I go over on that? No chance, zero. Robert, she's she was like ten seconds off last last year. We're kidding, right? <laughs> yeah, no. Robert, do some research. And I don't also. No, we're, we're kidding, right? I'm not kidding. She ran sixty five fifteen. The world record sixty four fifty one. And never underestimate his athletes. They always show up ready to go. Yeah, that was at the end of the track season. Like she wasn't training as a half marathon. Wow. Now she's like a full fledged five k, ten k runner. She's already broken the five k road world record this year. I'm supposed to believe the three fifty six oh five half fifty hundred meter runner can run the world record in the half. I mean, Mo Farah is an excellent marathoner. He's run three twenty eight in the fifteen hundred. I, I see why. I see no reason why she shouldn't be able to do it, especially since she already ran sixty five fifteen last year, Robert. I didn't know the facts. My first thing was over, but now that I find out she's only 24 seconds off the record. Okay. Here's my question. Trivia question of the week. By the way, folks, we can see like we're all in three different locations, but we can see each other on this like squadcast software that we use. Walden's gone. So I don't know where he is. What is the population? First of all, what is the population of our house? I have no idea how big of a town. Our house? I'd have to look it up. It's the second largest city in Denmark. It was, I really like our house right on the ocean. Um, it's still Poland, folks. Big clean, it's nice. So, I'm gonna look up the population there, and then I'm gonna have you guess the population of Denmark, John. 
Aarhus has 336,000 people. Okay, population of Denmark, 5.6 million. What God, folks, 5.7, not bad. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Oh, my but, God. Folks, we, heard, we heard that typing earlier. He could see that. that was, no, you didn't hear any typing after you answered that question. Asked that question. I know, but you could have hit mute. I wasn't looking to see if you were typing. I mean, I did, I did just spend almost a week in Denmark, but I so maybe I absorbed that by now, osmosis, but I'm pretty proud of myself right now. I I don't want to like out our mail runner Matt Crow, but I was talking. I think I was talking to Weldon. He was in the background. Like, How's Denmark, guys? And Matt's like, the women were beautiful there. He's like, they're very gorgeous. Is that true? Like, I mean, Matt's been a long time in Florida, so I'm assuming he's used to being around attractive women. I would say the average woman there was more attractive than the average woman I see in the United States. There are a lot of beautiful women in Denmark. You're at a cross-country meet. I mean, if I went to the U.S. cross-country meet, I would say the same thing is true as well. No, but like just walking around, you know, it, it, he said it and then I sort of like, I don't think I was note struck by quite to swipe quite the same degree as he noticed it. But I, once he said it, I was like, yeah, that's. But what about the men? Like, are the men? I would think the men are even better looking. So then relatively, like when you're trying to compete with these men, you guys are doing worse off than you would. Well, not that Weldon's trying. He's married men. But like, you know, the, like the, the Northern European men I see in like these movies and stuff. Like, very good. Can't say I really studied the men that much, Robert. I'm just trying to be PC, John. I don't want women to send me emails. I think Scandinavians that, um, are known as good looking people, right? So there was an Australian guy on Friday night we went to the Mickler party. They have a, there's like a, Mickler, there's a Mickler running club. I mean, the, it's, the, the brewery is very involved with running throughout the world. And they had an event. We went there and you walk in. First thing you see are some NCA coaches over there recruiting. It's a great trip. So that was pretty cool. And I met this Australian guy. He's coaching some athletes as well. And, I kind of see these three girls and one guy talk, talking and they, the three women stand up to leave. And I notice my little, my Australian best friend stands up as well. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't know you were over there. And he kind of hugs them goodbye and everything. And then he's like, wow, it's just so different here. These women are gorgeous and they have no idea, you know? And then he essentially said in America or Australia, these women be getting hit on left and right. And so I think the Denmark, the Danish beauty is understated Everything about Denmark is understated, and I like that. Something happens to America, I'm putting it on the record. I am moving to Denmark. So, like, if Trump gets reelected, Trump can get reelected, I'll stay. Uh, America will be great, John. Then he's making America great again. Remember, did any of those celebrities that said they were going to move actually move away? I don't think so. And I mean, if I, if he, if he got elected next year, I'd probably stay and reelected. I'd probably stay in the United States still, but even though I have dual citizenship, but. John, John can no longer live in, in Denmark, though, because of his Brexit. It's going to kill you, John. But even with the World Cross Country, the day before we're at the press conference and Jacob Larson is there, the director of the meet, and... How old is he? Like, Give me his background. Is, is this his full-time job to run the Danish track yes. field? Or? Yeah. So, and they also, I think, like in the U.S., they have a president of the Danish Federation. He's the CEO. So... Director. He's the director, is his title. But he runs... But, he was saying something at the press conference and he said, you know, well, we, we hope to have a good event tomorrow instead of like, he wasn't guaranteeing it. The way he said it was just different than an American would say it. I liked it. 
he put on a tremendous event. I really think that he they he somehow should be involved with more stuff globally if he wanted to be. But I mean, it's amazing. Denmark, as you said, it's a small country, and they keep they, they keep bidding for these events. Why not? And other people are afraid to host them, put them on, and they're trying to put on entertaining events. So it was tremendous. But Dan in Denmark also, Robert, college is free, education is free. Wow, more more egotistical. Even for American, can I send my kid to college here? And it was interesting also because we were on the train with this guy. How do the McDonald's franchise owners make money? They're paying people like nineteen an hour versus fifteen here in New York. So what's the difference? Probably have a couple computers to take orders. Oh, it's it's twelve. Food is very expensive in Denmark. You go out to eat food is very expensive. But compared to New York, it's definitely cheaper. But you go to restaurants, it's equivalent to New York. Grocery stores, though, are much cheaper. Rent, much cheaper. So it's sort of interesting, some of the stuff. But Okay, can we talk about something that I heard y'all learned in the bar scene from the agents? This IAAF 5000 debacle continues. True or false, you heard that they are going to keep the flat 3000, which is idiotic. And we already and- told that. Seb Coe said that. Yeah. But they're, they're going to drop the steeplechase, which is the exact opposite of what I want to have. I actually like the steeplechase. One, you don't need rabbits for the steeplechase. Two, you can run the, a fast steeplechase in pretty much any weather, including warm weather, because it's only 3,000 meters in distance. And three, it's like a real event. The 3,000 meters flat is stupid. But which one of you heard this story that IWF is saying, you know, like the, the 5,000 guys, that they, they – we had to get rid of it because they wouldn't run. They only ran the top guys only ran two, three thousands on the circuit last year. When one agent pointed out, well, yeah, they only ran two because there was only three on the circuit. So they ran two of the three plus the diamond league final. So they ran 75% of them, which is way more than what has seen bolts ever run. Right. So yeah, to, to address your comments there. Yes. The rumor I heard, um, in one of the bars in our house was that the steeple is one of the events that's going to get axed. Now, officially the IAF says they're going to evaluate all the events this summer and determine after the 2019 season, which events to eliminate next year. But he seemed to think the three K steeple was on the chopping block. Then the other comment about that, I found it kind of semi ridiculous that, you know, the IAF released this statement that they, they in athletics Kenya had come to an understanding about the, 5,000 being eliminated and that East African athletes would, would not lose competition opportunities due to this process. Well, yeah. Okay. Technically, if you're replacing the 5k with the 3000, most of those athletes could run the 3000. I mean, if you're getting rid of the steeple, you're clearly hurting East African athletes, Kenyan specifically um, more than anyone, any other event because Kenyans in the steeplechase dominate that event more than any country dominates any other event. But then, yeah, this other point that, their point last year, no leading athlete ran more than two 5,000 meter races during the regular Diamond League season. Well, you know, that, it, technically that is true. But like you said, there were only three Diamond League 5,000s in the regular season. There was also uh, a non Diamond League 5K in Shanghai, which several top guys ran. There was a non Diamond League two mile at the pre classic, which almost all of the top guys ran. And you had the Diamond League final, which resulted in one of the deepest races in the history of distance running. So to say that the top guys aren't out there running this is just, it's not true. People are idiots. These people are idiots. You, you need to you need to placate the base. And the base is the 5,000. Run a couple 3,000s. I only want two on the circuit. One at the beginning of the season. Right. I think I said three. One in the middle of the season. And then you can have Worlds and then the Diamond League final. Like, 
I, I don't want to see six five thousands. I don't want to see six one hundred meters of the top guys all racing each other. You want Federer and Nadal to race every once in a while to, to compete every once in a while. Exactly. If, if they did it, if Pittsburgh, I'm a you know I live in Baltimore. The big rival is the Ravens. If Pittsburgh played the Ravens every week, it wouldn't be a big deal. If the Red Sox, imagine if every regular season game was Red Sox Yankees. I thought every Sunday night baseball game was Red Sox game. Pretty much every Sunday baseball game. Right. We don't want to see – nobody wants to see six 3,000 meters on the circuit next year. I don't know a single distance fan that wants that. I don't know a single distance fan who wants a 3,000 on the circuit. Have four 5,000s max or maybe a couple 3,000s, a couple 5,000s, but nobody wants that. And it could hurt distance runners in the future if you kind of decide, oh, do we need a five? Do we need a 10 at the World to the Olympics? You drop one of those. But this press release by the – IWF saying they'd come to agreement with the Kenyan Federation. They understand that the 3K isn't hurting competition athletes for Kenya. Yeah, with well, the 3,000 equals 5,000, nothing hurts. But when the steeplechase dropped, Kenyan athletes are going to be hurt. So it's a, it's a much ado about nothing until the events are announced that are dropped. But I think for a lot of these events, we don't need six competitions throughout the season. Going Variety is the spice of life. It's the let's run.com theory. I had it. You have four every distance event four times. You have one per meet of each, right? You, you guys heard me talk about it a couple podcasts ago. Right. I'm willing to be hired for, as a consultant. But just to remember, we already have only four regular season steeples and four regular season 5Ks. That's already the structure of the Diamond League and then the fifth in the Diamond League final. Oh, so they had three 5Ks and one 3K? That's it? In the regular season, yeah. And then the final. Anyways, guys, let's call it a day. Anything else? This week we have Kelsey Bruce coming to my area, Baltimore, Washington, greater area, to run the Cherry Blossom 10-miler. Should we give an update on Team Let's Run? We didn't really give a formal update. And I realized some of our videos, we actually had them to private mode. I swear we were not trying to hide how Team Let's Run did, but in case you're late to the party, we had our two athletes at the World Championships, Kelsey Bruce in the women's race and Matt Crow in the men's race. Kelsey would have finished what place do we have her in? She would have finished 83rd if you had counted every women's athlete. And Matt, I need to look this up, guys. I've, I've gotten into this. Our runner, Matt, was pulled from the course. That means he was in danger of being lapped. But I took a photo, guys, right before he was pulled from the race, and I see a guy from another country in the race next to him. I will look this up and confirm that he wouldn't have got lapped because I was doing the math in my head. I don't think it was going to happen. But I think one, both, I think both, I? both of them would say, look, they didn't run that great of a race. But Kelsey was like a minute behind Courtney Frerichs, which isn't that bad of a deal. So it's sort of kind of equivalent performances. But they were really pumped to be there. And the groundswell of support from Let's Run Nation was amazing. A couple of times, Kelsey was first to go. I, was, I ran around the course um, counterclockwise and I was like getting emotional, like goosebumps. I'm like, this is really cool. She's in the world cross country. And I loved it. They loved it. And I think it's sort of perfect that it didn't go that well for them because I don't know. Let's runs about the dream. Keep getting better. They'll be out there, you know, this week competing. So. Yeah. Two great individuals as well. Both super nice, super positive. It was really a pleasure to interact with them. I've been so jaded. I've always said only the top 10 at Footlocker finals should be allowed to run pros collegially. It's brought me back to my roots, I guess, until they got spanked a little bit. But um, very excited. I, I am going to 
John, can you send me Jacob Larson's email? I'd like to get my, my $155 entry fee back though for Crow. I mean, the guy was not going to be lapped and they yanked him from the course. Although I've always been in favor, like the SEC me, they right. to yank you from the meet indoors. If you're getting lapped, I've always been for it. So I, I can't complain. And to be honest, when I was doing my interview with him and I said, I didn't want to say this on the podcast last week. Cause I was afraid he might listen to it. Or did I even say it? He's like, yeah, I'm hoping to get, run for skits, go out, be strong, get in a good rhythm. And I thought rhythm. I said to him, rhythm, you're not going to get in a rhythm in this course. You're not a rhythm runner. Are you? He said, yeah, a lot of people describe me as a rhythm runner. And I thought, Oh my God, this is like Weldon running this course. I would have been spit out of that thing so badly. Matt, don't give up on the dream. When Weldon ran world cross, we, we had this on the message board. World half marathon. He finished 105th out of 100. I mean, excuse me, Weldon ran world half marathon championships, I think in 1999 in Italy. I don't know why we didn't fly out to see you to represent America. Weldon was 105th out of 109 in the men's race. I think he ran over 74 minutes. He had food poisoning. He would have been 33rd in the women's race. So he would have been 130. And this was a very fitting performance for Team Let's Run. And I'm proud of them. <laughs> Our men's team is struggling, but we'll be back. Actually, let's do a little audio from Matt. Tell us, well, first of all, tell us about what happened at the end. Okay, so at the end, uh, I was feeling really, really bad, but I, I wasn't dropping out. Uh, a lady with a sign that said cut off, she, they opened the gate and she was directing two of us to get off the course. Uh, so I did, I mean, it's yeah. cross country, so I, I went off. I knew I was running bad, so somebody, I didn't want to mess up the leaders. I think that's, you know, it's their day. You're beating people from countries though, so I think they should have let you up there. But yeah. So I think that was sort of perfect. Matt? As we said in Let's Run, if you're getting lapped, you should be pulled from the course. And so Matt didn't want to mess it up for somebody. They weren't that close to him yet. I think he would have made it. We'll confirm that. But he had a great attitude, and his story is amazing, from 1540 in college to now 1357, I believe. So that is very cool. We might as well hear from Kelsey real quick. Here's a good recap of her day. It was really cool. I'm glad you did it. goals changed throughout. Like, it was like, I want to finish on my feet. <laughs> And, so I don't know. I'm not disappointed, but I'm not pumped either. But I'm glad I did it. Very, very glad I did it. It was such a cool experience being in the team with all those ladies. Okay. So you enjoyed the experience. And, hey, you know, I think that's what it, what it's about. We gave them a cool experience, and they went after it. Few constructive criticisms for the meet. It really drove me nuts. I didn't know how to find them. Like, I wanted to see their live splits. And also, I think their team scores need like John. Was there any way to see the live team scores mid race? Like NCAs, you can see how the teams are doing. I just, I mean, I could tell that the U.S. was doing poorly, but the timing system is not nearly as good as like Leon timing for the U.S. meets. I couldn't see the live team scores, but let's be honest: how many people really care about the live team scores at World Cross Country? But no, if you're doing it, you might as well do it. And also, I agree. I agree with Robert that if you're going to let these people in the race, fine. Maybe if you want to have an official thing. With them excluded, go ahead. But for people back home who want to track it, they need to, there needs to be a link with everyone in the race. The gun went off. These people were in the race. Matt Crow was in the race. Kelsey, it's, it sounds Kelsey like a race. Right. In NCAs, if you're not on a team, you still show up in the results. They should have showed up in the results. And this reminds me of the Boston Marathon. I've, I've sent them an angry email today. Hopefully I'll hear back soon. But these idiots in Boston have decided to – so last year, if you're not familiar, the women start 28 minutes before the men. The elite women start with women. The weather was so bad, so many elite women dropped out because elite women running is still not as deep as men's that a few women in the mass race 
that started 28 minutes later ran faster than the prize money winners in the mass race in the elite women's race. So people are like, oh, they can't be paid because they're in different races. So there was like a brief social media outcry, like this is discriminatory against women. Well, if you didn't already discriminate against, if you already didn't help women out by letting them start by 32 minutes ahead, 28 minutes ahead, nobody would, they wouldn't be on TV. But anyways, so to solve that problem, Boston has now come up with the idea of two wrongs make a right. They're now going to let have the elite men start two minutes ahead of the mass wave. So like the 230 marathoners can run with the elites. Which is just stupid. I mean, I, I wrote them. I'm like, so your, your problem, I said, look, and they're going to say that only the people in the elite start can win prize money. I'm like, look, you're going to have a, a social media criticism if anyone from the mass race, the women's mass race, ever beats the elite times. It doesn't matter what your policy is. If somebody, if a woman runs 229 and would have been, you know, ninth place and gotten some money, and you don't pay her, you're going to have that criticism no matter what. If she runs on that day, it's just going to happen. And now you have that potential to happen in both races because you're trying to be fair or totally equal to both sexes. It's just stupid. Like, don't, don't, like, make something work. Now, if a guy who starts two minutes later runs a time that put him in the top 10, he won't get paid. People will still be upset with that. It's just crazy. And also, the beauty of Boston is Boston is like the people's Olympics. And now that's gone. Because the gun goes off, that first wave won't be starting with them. This is terrible. It needs to be changed in the next week. It's really bad. It's just, it's unnecessary. I mean, let's run.com. I will offer, how much money are we talking about here? I will pay out the people getting 10th place. I mean, how much money is it? God, we think like our genetics are the same. Folks, how much money? I will pay them out. If it's like 10,000 bucks, I will offer to cover their things for 10 years up to like 50 grand or something. Oh, I'm well, and I think exactly like I'm going to read word for word wow. or my email to the Boston Athletic Association. Okay, I, I wrote a friend who works there. Sorry in advance for the rant. I should probably tone down the email, but my nanny's out of town this week. I don't have time to get a staff member, meaning Weldon or Jonathan, to tone this down. They, folks, I always rant on stuff. In the Let me jump in here first of all, also on the podcast. Robert. You just called a couple people already idiots. I think if you want something changed, you don't call someone an idiot because then they just get defensive. You should just say, This is a bad policy well, that I know. can be improved this way. The people at Boston, they mean so well. They care about the sport. Some of these agents said we should have a platform. We should be, you know, try to, you're right. You're right. But hey, I've been doing a lot of child care this week. I'm kind of tired. I'm writing to get an official statement from the BA about their new start rules. To me and everyone I've talked to, it's beyond stupid. I don't get why anyone would see the need to change it. Does the BA not get that people really enjoy running in the same race as the pros? Did you see what the IWF did at World Cross Country this last weekend? They openly asked for fairly fast people to race against the pros. It seems to be to me, that by separating the pros, you're subtly sending the message that the pros are different species, genetic freaks who don't really need to be emulated. Anyways, here are my official questions. One, what was wrong with the old starting procedure? Two, what benefit does the race get from the separate elite starts? To me, you guys are st- taking a very rare potential problem, a non-elite woman running faster than the elite women, and making it twice as bad. Now that can happen in both races. Have you guys ever heard of the phrase, two wrongs don't make a right? It seems to me that the BA is saying, it's sad that the non-elite women can't win prize money. So to make that better, we'll now make it so non-elite men can't win prize money either. How is that a good thing? Why wouldn't the BA want as many people to be eligible for prize money as possible? The reality is if someone in the regular start runs a faster time than the women's, men's or women's elite prize money winners, there will be a social media outcry even if the BA makes it clear only the elites can win prize money. There are now two potential outcries versus one previously. Honestly, if it's a matter of money, Let's Run will offer to pay the prize money of any non-elite man or woman cracks the prize money. 
while I have someone's attention, can someone comment on a question that has bothered me ever since you went to an elite women's start ahead of the men's? Has there been any thought of moving the start much farther ahead? I've always said one race should finish when the other race is nearing halfway, as detailed here. And then I link to on, message board post of mine. Please tell me one other sporting organization that tries to tell two televised two sporting events. I misspelled two, spelled it T O. Two sporting events at the same time on the same channel. I can think of zero. I'm out. You didn't mention cutting back on wheelchair interviews at the finish line, though. That's my biggest complaint. Well, I, I, I honestly, I, honestly, I thought about this, guys. I thought about this. Do you think that this elite thing is to give the wheelchair racers more credibility? I've always said, like, look, the wheelchair racers don't deserve this much prize money. First of all, they can race every weekend. But secondly, there's only like 30 elite. There's only like 30 people in the entire wheelchair race. There's like 30,000 people in the regular race. So it's just not as hard to be elite because there aren't as many. Yeah, that's not a fair present. assessment because now 29,500 of the people aren't going to be, aren't going to be the top people either. But I know, but this, this, this statement that they had made to that running competitive, competitive running took up is like, we want to make it. This statement was like, you know, we only have 67. The new start, this is a quoting from the BA, the new start from competitive running or something, competitor, the new elite start structures ensures head-to-head competition against the 60 to top athletes in each elite field. And something about like how it makes it, they now know who their competition is. Yeah, like they're worried about some 230 marathon or takes the lead for the first half mile. Like if they're going too slow, I enjoy that. There's nothing happening. I love it when the Dartmouth idiot takes the lead. Hey, now, that Dartmouth idiot was a Dartmouth alum, Glenn Randall. So just give him credit. He does have an Ivy League degree. See, that's the problem. John doesn't understand being an Ivy Leaguer, elite North Coast elite. He doesn't understand. A lot of people, John, don't. don't. North Coast? We have a North Coast. Coast. See, John, he, he picks apart the people, John, from middle America like us, from Texas. Everyone in Texas, I will be back for the first time. Tomorrow, I'll be at the Texas Rangers game. Look for me. Wednesday night, Houston Astros. We are guaranteed to still be able to get over 500 if we win. But I know there'll probably be a welcoming committee. I'll be there. But, John, just because he went to Dartmouth doesn't deserve extra credit. This is why the forgotten coal man in Pennsylvania, these guys, John, the misunderstood people in America. This is why they what? That's not even this a is part of why Trump was elected and you don't understand him. I I want to get a shout out. There was a guy like from VMI, I think. He's got like a 3040 PR that kicked our 1357 guys, but I don't know his name at World Cross. Anyways, we're dragging on. My dad said, How long is your podcast? I'm like, Less than an hour. Now we're in an hour 20. Yeah, we had our weekly foray into yes. politics. An hour two. Once again, we'll have Eric, the web guy, live from Iowa. It's pay per view, $9.99 for the first hour. And then $4.99 for the second hour after that. That's coming up next. We have Boots on the Ground in Iowa. Only nine months to the Iowa caucuses. All right. Signing off till next week. LRC crew.